0: Funding for Here and Now Anytime comes from MathWorks, creators of MATLAB and Simulink software, accelerating the pace of engineering and science. Learn more at MathWorks.com.
1: Hi, this is Here and Now Anytime, where we give you a little news, a little something you weren't expecting, and always a fresh, in-depth perspective on current events, arts and culture, and stories that matter. Subscribe or follow to get all our episodes out every weekday. And if you like what you hear, tell a friend about us to help spread the word. Now here's the show.
2: Now when he wants to be nuanced or let's make a deal or the heartbeat bill's too harsh, you know, those are warning flags, uh, if not red flags, for pro-lifers.
1: Evangelicals and really any Republicans who might have reservations about Trump seem mostly willing to put those aside, especially in Iowa. It's Tuesday, January 16th, and this is Here and Now anytime from NPR and WBUR Boston. I'm Chris Bentley. Today on the show: What to make of Trump's strong night in Iowa? And you might know sculptor Nancy Make Way for Ducklings statues, if you've ever been to the Boston Public Garden. But her latest work is a departure. It's a
3: protest of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. I've done all this wonderful sculpture for kids, for people, for everyone. And it's about time I tell about my other
1: side. Inside the sculptor's mind and studio about 20 minutes from now. But first, before we get to Iowa and the Republicans of ire for President Biden from his own party as he continues U.S. support for Israel and especially after the recent strikes against Houthi rebels in Yemen. Strikes that continued today, by the way. California Congressman Ro Khanna posted on X that the president needs to come to Congress before launching a strike against the Houthis in Yemen and involving us in another Middle East conflict. And Congressman Ro Khanna joined us to talk more about that. Here's his conversation with Robin Young.
0: And you are referring, I believe, to Article 1 of the Constitution. So make your case that the president should have come to you first before the strikes against the Houthis.
4: Well, this was not a case of imminent self-defense, which the president would have the authority to strike and then notify Congress within 48 hours. Since early December, we have known that the Houthis have been disrupting the Red Sea in commercial shipping. The Houthis are not good actors they haven't been acting in good faith but the president had the time to speak to the leaders of canada australia britain he went to the united nations security council twice with that much preparation of over a month he needed to come to the congress and make the case for why military force would actually make the situation better.
0: Okay. Well, you said that you don't think it was defensive, and you're referring to Article 2 of the Constitution, which, while Article 1 says Congress must authorize war, not the president, Article 2 says the president, can have the authority to use military force without congressional authorization for defensive purposes. As you know, there are many military experts who say that the president does in this case. The Houthis have been targeting commercial shipping in the Red Sea. There are many bad actors in the region looking to escalate the war in the Mideast. So don't you think a president and his military should have the right to do a brushback, if you will, in the moment when lives may be at stake?
4: They absolutely have the right to do imminent self-defense, but that was not this case. The president has said that this has been going on for a month and a half, and he took action to deter future action, and he needs to come to Congress to make that case. He would be stronger if he had congressional authorization. And the second point is, if you talk to our Gulf allies, I've talked to the Saudi ambassador, to the UAE ambassador, there's a reason that not a single Gulf ally other than Bahrain Signed on, and that is because the Saudis tried bombing Yemen and the Houthis for seven years. It wasn't very effective. So I also want to know what is the end game here? Because if you talk to the Gulf allies, they'll tell you that what really needs to be resolved is a Gaza conflict to bring stability to the region. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, you have bipartisan support, and this has been an ongoing discussion, uh, especially since the early 2000s and the launching of two wars, Afghanistan and Iraq. And, you know, you have people like Republican Senator Mike Lee of Utah who also said on X Twitter, he agrees with you. So you have the support. But I'm wondering, you know, this comes at an interesting moment, as you well know, Congressman, you know, how do you leverage it? President Biden, as we're watching, you know, the caucuses and primaries launch will likely be facing Donald Trump, who has indicated that he believes a president should have more power than the president now does. Do you and others in the party, especially on the progressive side, worry that by attacking Biden, you may be helping to replace him with a Donald Trump?
4: Well, I'm on the president's reelect committee and I will be working very hard for the president's re election. But two points. One, I believe bringing an end to the conflict in Gaza, release of all of the hostages, a ceasefire and end to the violence, will actually help the president's reelection. He needs to figure out how to end that conflict to win back the trust and support of many young Americans, many progressive Americans. The second point is I think going to Congress will also help the president because the president ran against endless wars and saying that he would seek Congress's authorization. It actually was an explicit contrast with Donald Trump. And this is the time we have to uphold the Constitution to show the danger of Trump. We want Congress to have the power. We want the executive branch to be checked, precisely because Donald Trump is saying we don't need those safeguards. And I believe in a question of judgment of what the Constitution requires. The American people are tired of us getting into these wars.
0: Uh, Briefly, Congressman, you co-founded the War Powers Caucus with Republican Andy Biggs of Arizona to talk about alternatives to military intervention. What would you say in this case? The Houthis are, as you said, bad actors. They've been attacking shipping. What can happen there?
4: Well, I would get our Gulf allies, the Saudis and UAE, to talk with the Houthis and the United States. The Saudis managed to come to a truce with the Houthis, and I would make sure that we push there. I would stop the arms getting to the Houthis from Iran. And then ultimately, the Houthis have said they're doing this until we get a ceasefire. Now, I don't think the Houthis are justified in doing it. But again, if you talk to the Saudis, if you talk to UAE, they will tell you that a ceasefire in Gaza is what will de escalate. And that is the only thing, in my view, that's going to make it secure for ships to go through the Red Sea and why it should be a priority for the administration.
0: California Democratic Congressman Ro Khanna, thank you so much.
4: Thank you. I appreciate it.
1: Coming up next, Robin and Deepa Fernandez dive into the results out of the Republican caucuses in Iowa. We'll get a historian's perspective on Trump's resounding win there, and some reflection from an evangelical who voted twice before for Trump, but was hoping this time for a DeSantis win. That's coming up after the break.
5: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Progressive, and it's Name Your Price Tool. Say how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show coverage options within your budget. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Bluehost, Try Bluehost Cloud, the hosting plan made for WordPress creators by WordPress experts. With 100% uptime, fast load times, and 24-7 support, your sites can handle high traffic spikes. Visit Bluehost.com.
0: The three remaining major Republican presidential candidates will campaign in New Hampshire tonight, ahead of the primary next week. You've by now heard former President Trump won a commanding 51% of the vote in Iowa's Republican caucus. In his victory speech, he struck an unusual for him conciliatory tone.
4: And I really think this is time now for everybody, our country, to come together. We want to come together, uh, whether it's Republican or Democrat or liberal or conservative. It would be so nice if we could... Come together and straighten out the world and straighten out the problems. And...
6: Rivals Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley also claimed victory, arguing they did better than expected. Haley came in third with 19% of the vote and a narrow win in one county. DeSantis came in second with 21% of the vote, but he did not win a single county, despite visiting everyone in an effort to win over some of Iowa's most religious voters. Joining us now is Bob Vanderplotz, president and CEO of the nonprofit group The Family Leader, which represents conservative Christians in Iowa. He endorsed Ron DeSantis, though he voted for Trump in the last two presidential
2: elections. Bob,
6: welcome to Here and Now.
2: Thanks for having me, Deepa. I appreciate being on.
6: So, Bob, you've been seen as a kingmaker in Iowa. You said you thought there'd be a big shift that DeSantis could win. Today... Do you feel like your endorsement maybe didn't matter? It kind of looks that way.
2: (laughs) Well, I think what it is is that uh, Governor DeSantis earned a lot of key endorsements in the state of Iowa, uh, in particular the historic endorsement of Governor Kim Reynolds. And so I think people uh, were really trying to give America a choice. They saw that being Iowa's role this time, uh, give America a choice, either the former president or an alternative. And I think with Governor DeSantis coming in second, uh, he has a case to make now that this should be a two-person race and let's give America a choice and let America decide.
6: Okay. Washington Post says Trump won the evangelical vote by 55% last night. That's a marked contrast from 2016 when Trump fared poorly among evangelicals. What happened? What changed?
2: But I think the big thing that changed from 2016 to 2024 is that Trump now had served as president for one term. And during that term, he delivered a lot of things for evangelicals, uh, three Supreme Court justices that led to the overturn of Roe v. Wade, uh, the Abraham Accords, moving the embassy to Jerusalem, standing up religious liberty. He did a lot of things where evangelicals were probably saying, we were very appreciative, so we're going to have his back. And then I think when... Um, All the indictments came against Trump and trying to remove him off the ballot. I think they saw a system that was weaponized against him, so they kind of doubled down on their support for him.
6: Hmm. I want to follow up on abortions because, you know, Trump, for instance, says he wants to allow some abortions. He doesn't back a near total ban on abortions. How does that sit with evangelicals?
2: Well, I think it's a very much of a concern with uh, pro-lifers in general. Uh, because again, while we're very appreciative that he appointed three Supreme Court justices that overturned Roe v. Wade, but now when he wants to be nuanced or let's make a deal or the heartbeat bill's too harsh, you know, those are warning flags, uh, if not red flags for pro-lifers. So hopefully if he does become the nominee, we're able to work with him about how you advance a culture of life, uh, not just for the unborn, but for the mob caught in a Uh, situation as well as the dad and and the family and community.
6: Let me ask you so DeSantis didn't seem to connect with evangelical voters why?
2: Well he he did he connected with evangelical voters but you have an incumbent basically in the former president in the race and so that is you know quite frankly the the elephant in the room so to speak and so um in, in this case uh it was always going to be a thing about can you get an alternative to Trump to come out of Iowa so America has a choice. So I'm not saying DeSantis didn't connect. I think he really did connect. And if you look, even look at Trump voters, uh, their second choice is DeSantis. And so therefore it may be a connection. It just may not be a connection where they wanted to vote for him over Trump.
6: Trump did worse in counties, and I'm quoting the Washington Post here, that more closely resemble the rest of the country, so fewer farmers, fewer mm-hmm. evangelicals, uh, more educated, more wealthy voters. Is that one reason why you endorsed DeSantis, because Trump is weak there?
2: Well, I, I endorse DeSantis for a lot of reasons. Uh, one is he's a proven leader. He won a toss-up state, turned it deep red in the midterms. Uh, he did that by standing up for parental rights and school choice. And taking on the schools and even big corporations for trying to hypersexualize our children uh, with a woke agenda.
6: Evangelical leader Bob Vanderplatz talking about some of the issues that resonated with Republican voters in Iowa yesterday. So, for more on how to interpret the results of the Iowa caucuses in the primary race ahead, let's bring in Julian Zelizer. He's a professor of history and public affairs at Princeton University. Julian, welcome back.
7: Thanks for having me.
6: I have to say, you might think 91 criminal indictments against Trump, the fact that he lost in 2020 would make a dent in his popularity. But as we just heard Don say, it hasn't hurt him at all. In fact, it's helped him. I wonder for those who feel like the system is working in attempting to hold him accountable, how do you explain last night's results?
7: Legal accountability and Political standing are two different things. The law is trying to hold them accountable. Multiple trials are taking place. But politically, the former president has found a way to build this into his own narrative of fighting against the establishment. He's benefited from the case bringing him endless media attention. And finally, many people in the Republican Party, as we learned last night in Iowa, don't believe the 2020 election was legitimate. So if you start with that, voters are not going to really care about all these legal cases. They'll actually think they're illegitimate.
6: He gained evangelical voters, low-income rural voters, compared to four years ago, but he performed less well among higher-income and more educated voters in cities. I'm wondering what that might bode for future primaries. Is this just an Iowan thing, or might we see it play out in New Hampshire and, and other states as well?
7: Look, there might be different results, but in the end, the evangelical, working-class, rural coalition is the Republican coalition. So he is doing well with who he's going to need to secure the nomination and to win the general election. And I suspect if those other two candidates drop off, some of those other voters might in the end still cast their ballot with Trump wanting a Republican in the White House rather than President Biden.
6: An entrance poll Julian in Iowa showed two-thirds of respondents say they don't believe Joe Biden won the presidential election in 2020, despite the evidence that he did. What does Iowa tell you about how the base of the Republican Party has changed in the last four years? The former president is
7: very well aligned with where a lot of the party is. And they believe a lot of what he has to say. The central argument since 2020 has been election denialism. And it looks like a large part of the Republican Party, at least from where we are right now, is comfortable with those arguments.
6: Let me just flip that a little bit, because I think for some out there who are hoping, maybe Democrats who are watching this and hoping that Republicans might see it for what it actually is, not for what Trump says it is, It was about 40% that did not vote for Trump, if you add up the Haley-DeSantis votes. So I'm wondering, you know, is the Republican Party split over where it stands on some of these issues? It's not
7: split. DeSantis is very closely aligned generally. And overall, Haley is as well. I don't think there's huge differences in terms of their positions. It's more difference of demeanor. And I do think that as they fall away... A lot of those Republicans who supported DeSantis or Haley will be comfortable shifting over to Trump.
6: DeSantis and Haley are walking a fine line between appealing to that general base of Republican voters, but not alienating Trump supporters. Chris Christie, Asa Hutchinson were the only Republican candidates who were forcefully critical of Trump. They've both dropped out. Christie last week, Hutchinson today. Is this unusual and is it working?
7: Usually you attack the front runner. you don't tiptoe around the front runner, which is generally what they've done. They've also defended Trump again and again during these trials. I don't think it's working, because if the opponents think that Trump overall is a pretty good candidate, why won't the voters? So they're going to have to figure out a way to directly attack him, to question his authenticity, and to raise doubts among Republican voters that he can win in 2024, which I think is the most powerful argument. But at this point, it hasn't been a very compelling
6: argument. So Trump's legal dramas are playing out as he's campaigning defamation and fraud cases in New York, the charges of election interference in Georgia, federal cases on mishandling classified records and attempting to overthrow the 2020 election. And we're awaiting a ruling in a federal court on whether an ex-president should be immune from prosecution It's unprecedented that an election campaign and a number of serious legal cases are colliding like this. Is there any historical context to help us navigate this election?
7: No, there isn't context. And I I don't usually say that, but this truly is unprecedented. And equally surprising is where we started, that thus far, politically, he has figured out a way to benefit from all of this. And he's figured out a way to move a lot of the Republican electorate to a position where they don't believe the basis of two of the biggest of these indictments. We are in very new territory and the only thing that can really change this from what we're seeing is a conviction. If a conviction happens there are many polls suggesting that could hurt him politically and that's really uh, what we should be looking for at this point.
6: Julian Zellers is a professor of history and public affairs at Princeton University. Thanks Julian.
7: Thanks for having me.
1: Coming up, Robin takes us to the home of a sculptor whose work includes Boston's Make Way for Ducklings statues, but also so much more. That's after the break.
8: Support for NPR and the following message come from Betterment, an automated investing and savings app. CEO Sarah Levy shares why accessibility is central to Betterment's mission. The real
0: innovation for Betterment was taking a set of tools that were used by the ultra-wealthy and making them accessible to the average investor. And that includes tech
8: strategies, that includes dollar-cost averaging. These are all sort of tricks of the trade. Learn more about automated investing technology at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. This message comes from NPR sponsor Shopify, the global commerce platform that helps you sell and show up exactly the way you want to. Customize your online store to your style. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash NPR. This message comes from Schwab. With Schwab Investing Themes, it's easy to invest in ideas you believe in, like online music and videos, artificial intelligence, electric vehicles, and more. Schwab's research uncovers emerging trends, then their technology curates relevant stocks into over 40 themes to choose from. Schwab Investing Themes is not intended to be investment advice or a recommendation of any stock or investment strategy. Visit schwab.com thematic investing.
0: Robert McCluskey's 1941 book, Make Way for Ducklings, tells of how Mrs. Mallard shepherds her brood through Boston traffic to the Boston Public Garden, the country's oldest public garden. The book is firmly in the firmament of beloved children's books. Here's a reading a few years ago.
8: Are you ready? Yes. Yeah. I'm so excited. Mrs. Mallard had reached the
6: corner bookshop and turned into Charles Street. With Jack, Cack, Black, Mac, Knack, Whack, Pack, and Quack all marching in line behind her. And in
0: 1987, a monument, or rather nine of them, was installed in the public garden. Statues of mom and her ducklings waddling along, now burnished to a fine patina because of all the hugs and kisses from admirers like this
2: dad and his son. We love coming by here to uh, hang out with these guys and uh, the ducks and uh, just, you know, pay them a visit every now and then say hello.
0: And I like the way they put... They put hats or scarves on them. The statues were created by renowned sculptor Nancy Shern who also created an owl and a pussycat for a diverse neighborhood in Boston. Get it? The owl and pussycat are a mixed marriage. Friendship is her sculpture of two prairie dogs nose-to-nose in Oklahoma. Hello! Hello. But last week, we visited Nancy at her home here in Massachusetts to see her latest work, and it's quite a departure. A huge, dark, bronze combat boot. Is that a hammer and sickle inside the unlaced boot? Fangs hanging from the toe? Is it about to stomp on a tiny bird? It's this now 95-year-old's protest of Russia's war in Ukraine. People are going to be shocked at this. They don't think of
3: your work as being this angry. We all have darker sides, and as Heraclitus said, you never step in the same water twice. I have this side that I've done all this wonderful public art sculpture for kids, for people, for everything, and all of a sudden I felt, here I am. It's about time I tell about my other side, (laughs) and when I read about what was going on in Ukraine. I just, I guess I have to go back to when I was 10 years old. And in those days, when you went to the movies, there was a newsreel. That's how you got your news, in the movie theaters. Mm -hmm. And I remember when Hitler went into Czechoslovakia, and all I saw on these newsreels were boots. Somehow they didn't show the people, they just saw. Boots, 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 marching, marching, into, in. yeah. Yeah, marching into Czechoslovakia. And somehow that stayed with me. And the minute I saw the first news mm. about Ukraine, that came to mind. It, it stuck with me all these years. Mm. Mm. Well, and describe this boot. So the first thing I did was to look up what boots looked like, ancient boots, These soldiers' boots look like boots, and they're horrible. Somehow they're big and massive. But the Russian boot, the symbol has always been kind of the bear. Don't poke the bear, the Russian bear. Yeah, that's right. So the head of the boot is the head of a bear. Look at that.
0: Towards the toe of the boot, I see now a, a wide nose of a bear.
3: And that bear's head is open with great big teeth. And under it is this tiny little nightingale, which is the state bird of Ukraine. And that boot is ready to stomp on this poor little, very tiny little bird.
0: And then you've got uh, make way for ducklings. People dress them
3: up. There's the Make Way for Ducklings parade every year where people dress their children up. I used to put on a birthday party every year for the ducks. <laughs> That's got to be a, a, a lovely feeling. Grandparents, somehow grandmothers, were always taking pictures of their kids. And then it became quite a thing. And. And they're political. there are ducks in in cages, which was about what was going on in Texas in the immigration and the way children were being separated. Um, so people put the ducklings, your statues under cages, yes, to show how horrible the things were going on in Texas with the separation of children but then there's um Ruth uh, Ginsburg the ducks are dressed up like members of the court yeah like all members of the court or they're dressed up for Thanksgiving and they're like turkeys I
0: love when the Red Sox or the Patriots yeah. or the Bruins win. they're all dressed up in hats and scarves yeah right so yeah. Um, that's got to be a good feeling I mean what a juxtaposition though to what we're looking at here a boot bearing down on this little bird what
3: is your hope for this Oh, dear. I hope not only for Ukraine, but for the world. I pray for peace. It makes me so sad. I have 10 great-grandchildren, and I wonder what their world will be like. I worry for them. My hope is that somewhere, perhaps it would be displayed to give hope. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how. I wish I knew where it could go or how it could be displayed that would have an effect on people. I really don't know, but I'd love to know. I'd love to find out how, how I can really make a difference because finally at this age and stage I feel like I'm really telling the truth. Well, there is
0: one place for the boot though it's highly unlikely. It's another thread to this story, one that ties Nancy to Russia. In the late 1980s, there was a thawing of the Cold War and an opening up in the Soviet Union led by Mikhail Gorbachev. It was known as Glasnost. First Lady Barbara Bush brought Russia's First Lady Raisa Gorbachev to Boston, where they met with Nancy Shern at the Duckling Statues, which charmed Mrs. Gorbachev. I asked Nancy, wasn't it true that she then decided that, as crazy as it sounded, she would gift a copy of the ducklings to Russia, and when that was accepted, she herself brought them to Moscow. You have only allowed one copy of the ducklings. Yes. And it's in Russia? Yes. Well, I'm looking down at this boot, you know, hovering over this bird. Yes. Do you feel, like, I don't know, maybe even betrayed This was at a time, decades ago, of hope for peace. Now you have Vladimir Putin. Now you have this aggression in Ukraine. Does that history of the ducklings being in Moscow feed into this? Absolutely.
3: In 1991, when I was part of the history of the START treaty, when that was happening. And after I left, Gorbachev, the coup happened three weeks after we put the ducks into Moscow. So yes, absolutely. That's why the, the uh, hammer, and hammer and sickle is there because that's the old Russia, and this is all part of my uh, my experience uh, thinking about both Russias.
0: I just I, I had this just had this weird feeling this is so strange but like we have to go rescue the ducklings (laughs) we have to get the ducklings back
3: well you know i did go back in 2000 because mrs ballard and three babies were stolen from russia what (laughs) so i went back and replaced them and mr gorbachev had a big party for me, because unfortunately his wife had died about a year before, and so he wanted to make sure that these ducks were replaced, because his wife had looked at eight different places to find the most beautiful place for the ducks in Moscow. He kissed me, he cried with me, definitely a connection.
0: So I'm saying that I, I, I feel this need to go rescue the ducklings, but maybe the ducklings at this point represent even some of the russian people who oh, you know have been hijacked by this war as well yes i think that's true there's a your, lot about nancy shern we don't know <laughs> it's I like know. your life is amazing yeah
3: well yeah,
0: yeah.
3: <laughs> and and i think everybody only knows the ducks yeah. and recently i must say i i said Forget about the ducks. We're not going to talk ducks. We're going to talk about what I've done in the last 36 years. So I did this PowerPoint showing all the things that I've done. And there are a lot of them. Yes, there's a lot of
0: them. <laughs> Forget so, about the ducks. I yeah, love right. that. <laughs>
3: Forget. I get tired of talking about the ducks all the time. Although I love them, most people don't know that I'm called the Skateboard Granny. <laughs> Who knows that I was responsible for this forty thousand foot skate park here no. in Boston? Yeah. So nobody knows about that. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we also now are knowing more about the dark side of Nancy Shern, but one that is so
3: powerful not only this piece, but I've done many, many political pieces, and some of them are very, very sad and very um, mean and cruel and show a very dark, dark side of my life. Tell
0: us about some of the others that we might not know about. You don't you don't I'm want to. You're sure. shaking
3: your head. <laughs> well, I've done uh, a piece that talks about guns. It's an elephant, the Republican Party. And the trunk is a gun. I've talked a lot about the uh, the Supreme Court and how I feel about them, and at this point, I guess I feel I can almost say anything and there's There are more to come, I hope
0: you have more pieces that you want to do
3: yeah, well, there's a lot going on there's climate, other wars. <sighs> but I'm about to start working again and God knows what's going <laughs> It should be fun.
1: 95-year-old Nancy Shun speaking with Robin Young. That's our show. It comes from the team behind Here and Now from NPR and WBUR Boston. Today's stories were produced by Jill Ryan, Thomas Danielian, Julia Corcoran, and Karen miller medson Today's editors were Todd Munt, Peter O'Dowd, Michaela Rodriguez, and Kat Welch. Technical direction from Mike Moschetto and Caleb Green. Mike Moschetto also wrote her theme music along with Max Liebman and me, Chris Bentley. Our digital producers are Allison Hagan and Grace Griffin, and the executive producer of Here and Now is Carleen Watson. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with you tomorrow.
8: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Homes.com. When you're shopping for a home, you want to know as much about the area around it as possible. Homes.com has got you covered with a comprehensive neighborhood guide from local experts. Homes.com. We've done your homework. This message comes from NPR sponsor Capella University. With Capella's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.